I was actually thinking about having a beer during the podcast. You should have a beer. Subscribe and share to support the show. Shall we head to my favorite planet in the galaxy? The planet of good vibes. The planet of good vibes. The planet. It's time! All right, all right, all right. I love humanity. I think it's great. It's all good, man. I think the word you're searching for is Space Ranger. The Ham Planet Podcast. We are the galaxy of good vibes. Five, four, three, two, and one. Top of the morning, folks. Good afternoon and good evening, ladies and gents. Welcome to the Ham Planet Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Ham. And if you're new to the show this evening, happy to see you. We are a show about three things. Simple as that. Good vibes, great people, and glorious stories. And we have an abundance of glorious stories on the horizon for this mighty fine episode, ladies and gents. So if you're into that, make sure to stick around because it'll be a good one. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm honored to have our guest here reporting live from Tanzania, which is in Africa, not in Texas. It's in Africa, far across the ocean. He is a fellow COVID survivor. He is a fellow Culver Military Academy graduate. He is a sharp lad with a University of Richmond degree. And I like to say he is the modern day Tarzan. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> let's give it up for the one and only Benjamin Richard Mavrudis. Fire me up. Fire me up. Thank you very much for the introduction. Nice to be here. First podcast ever. So we'll see how it goes. I love it. I love I love that mentality. Benji, how you feeling? Yeah. How you feeling? Feeling good. Yeah, and I got my beer going. Uh, nice, nice Thursday night. I call it a uh, podcast loop. Is that beer? Yeah, yeah, that's a or yeah, a liquor exactly. drink. Gets yeah. gets gets the uh, talking molecules flowing in the brain, which is perfect mm-hmm. for this occasion. So, Benji, just to uh, rewind the clocks a little bit to introduce you to the audience and to let them know how this even came to be a Texan, his great friends, and is calling a brother, and is, is calling a man from Tanzania a brother. So it all started back when we met at Culver, and yeah. we were rugby teammates under good old Coach Knowlton. Culver Military yeah. Academy. Shout out Coach Knowlton. I know you're listening to this one. We love you. And, um, you know, a Texan, a Tanzanian, became great friends, teammates, brothers amongst the cornfields of Indiana. And yeah. uh, shared many great times and great games and great memories on the Culver rugby field. And here we are 10 years later getting to catch up a little bit 
But Benji, brother, you were from Tanzania, and you're the only person I know in my entire life who's from Tanzania. Brother, where were you born exactly? Well, so the uh, weirder thing is I wasn't born in Tanzania. Um, my family, my family has been in Tanzania, my dad's side of the family for you know, now almost like 70, 80 years. And then my mom's side of the family is from the U.S. Love um, but Tanzania roots my mom's, is what I meant to say. Tanzania yeah, roots. Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> my mom was a nurse in the U.S. before she moved to Tanzania. So okay. obviously... Uh, Tanzanian healthcare even now is not great so Tanzanian healthcare in 1995 was really not great so when I was born my mom flew over to Cyprus where my dad's family was originally from um, Cyprus and there and then Cyprus Cyprus is, is just city another in country and I... oh another <laughs> no. there's a well there's a Cyprus Texas Cyprus is a, <laughs> no, a no. African country no it's a European country it's an island on the Mediterranean. Yeah. Hey, brother, learning new things already. Us <laughs> yeah. Texan folk, you know, sometimes we just think Texas is the entire world. And it's well, good it to is, le- learn it these lessons. It is definitely there, and we let it, we let it be known. Yeah. So, so going yeah. back to your parents' story, so so how did they meet, actually? Because then I know you'll you'll come into fruition down the road, but how did, yeah. how did they come together um so my dad lived or my dad my dad was born in tanzania um and lived between tanzania cyprus the uk and then moved back to tanzania after his military service in cyprus and was around 22 years old and then was a guide in tanzania working for safari companies different outfitters and my mom was here just doing a trip from the U.S. And they met um, just somewhere in Arusha, where, I'm, where I live. And she actually ended up just staying and not leaving after that trip. Wow. Met my dad here. And, yeah. So your dad must have really put it yeah, on her so. and pressed her. <laughs> was yeah. she there for like a mission trip or a vacation or... Uh, I think it was a mix of like vacation as well as um, like a bit of a mission, not church mission, but just like trying to being a good person, do some volunteer volunteer work. Yeah, love that. So, was your dad like her safari guide? No, he wasn't. But I think he worked for the same company that they that she was going on on tour with. So, okay. Uh, they'd met somewhere where there was a mutual gathering between two groups or something. But yeah. That's hats off to your dad. That's gotta be impressive. <laughs> Someone comes from America to visit Tanzania yeah. and then next thing you know, they're here. Where, where, where did you say yeah. your mom was from again in America? Massachusetts. Ba- near Boston. Near Boston. Shout out Boston. Good good place. Mm-hmm. It's good town. Well, yeah, brother, she's actually moved back. Oh, she did? Yeah, she's she's outside of Boston again. Like 40, 45 minutes out of Boston. 
Love that. Well, if you go visit, you're going to be a little bit closer to uh, all your American friends, which I know you've got a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Ben. So obviously parents, they, they uh, fell in love at that point or something like that. And then mm -hmm. you came into the equation and you said you were born where exactly, brother man? Limassol, Cyprus is exact place. Limassol is a town. Okay. Uh, yeah. Cyprus again is this is new geography for me, brother. So this an, it's an island island in the Mediterranean. Yeah, maybe halfway between Greece and Turkey. Okay, sweet. Right in the middle, like it's a tiny little thing. Just a a little little. Eye. How long did you uh, spend time there when you were like you a know? like a month? So you were just getting. Hey, we're just gonna birth. Born. We're gonna birth him here, and then we're we're back to. Back yeah, to I never Tanzania? lived in Cyprus. Yep, back to Tanzania. Okay. Awesome, awesome. So that means you grew up in Tanzania. Will that be accurate? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Man, so what's what was that like? What what are some of the things that you really remember growing up? like from your childhood Ooh. that were special in Tanzania? Um, yeah, it's a... Uh, I mean, I know everyone thinks of Tanzania or Africa is just all wild and whatever, but it's it's not necessarily that. But right. that being said, when I, when I was growing up, maybe like between the ages of five, four, and 10, 11, mm -hmm. uh, I lived so close so close to a national park that we could have like a shower after school, get in pajamas and then get in the car and go check out some animals and then come back for, for dinner afterwards, you know, just for an afternoon cruise. Uh, That's incredible. Elephant. Uh, yeah. Giraffe, Buffalo, all that. Yeah. It's and pretty crazy. All, all fully, <laughs> wild they're the real deal this is where they wild. are from yeah you know 100 yeah. percent. the united states we obviously have to these animals have to get captured and then taken to these zoos which some are some are nice i'll say shout out to the fourth worth zoo here in texas great zoo one of the top ones mm -hmm. um but um, you know, for any kid or anyone seeing those animals, it's always kind of a fascinating experience, but you don't get that true, genuine feeling of seeing them, um, like you do and you still do to this day. Yeah. So when you were a kid, did you have any encounters with any of these animals that you, you remember well? As a child, uh, I guess not so much. I guess my parents were pretty careful with with everything when we were younger. Maybe long, probably older. smart. Want to keep the baby yeah, away from the lion. Yeah, yeah, that kind of that, that idea. <laughs> yeah, it's nothing worse than uh, oh, honey, Benji, you know, lion got him. That would be good. Uh, so, brother, when we were growing up. Were we uh, 
homeschooled or did we go to a you know a local like what's so I went to what's the I school went to an like there? Okay. Yeah, so actually quite a quite a big international oh not big, but like quite a, a good international school here. Um private school. And were people of, there from all over? Yeah, a lot of people from all over the world. Um Tanzania, Arusha, where I live actually is I'm sure you've heard of like the genocide in Rwanda. Um right. well the, the the main UN tribunal for all those court cases is based here in Arusha. So there's hundreds of families from all over the world working for the UN. And that's kind of a lot of the groups that I was with in school were from UN families or some, obviously, that lived around here, but wanted more of an international school background. Love that. Love that. I yeah. mean, that's, uh, you know, that's that's how I think of Culver. Like Culver was a place where people were from all over for me personally it was definitely like a shock or not not like a shock but definitely different from where i was born and raised where everyone's texan everyone's conservative christian going to church eating <laughs> mcdonald's you know not to say everyone's the same but we don't have that kind of international diversity and yeah with with that comes an education in its own and the fact that you got that from the jump definitely I could see that be very valuable and was able to witness it when we got to Culver. So Benji, when yeah, you no. um, Yeah, go ahead, brother. No 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 I I just I completely agree with what you're saying. That's it. Love that. Well Ben Benji, when um when you were going to school, you play any sports before you got to uh, Culver and played rugby with me? Um, well, yeah, I obviously played rugby here as well. Um, and then, well, because my school was pretty small, right? In terms of how many people were in each grade, uh, we ended up having to play a lot of everything. Not necessarily specializing in one sport, but you have to kind of just play every sport that's there because your school needs the numbers to make a team. So right. I think I played a lot of a lot of random different sports at school. Um nothing nothing that I specialized. Mostly rugby. Rugby was my top and then I obviously I played polo as well, both here and That's in right. Culver. Le oh yeah. Um, yes. You were so good on, you, on on the horse you know bank. How to, yeah. So <laughs> you know how to spank that ball. I remember watching you. Um yeah. so when did you start playing rugby? What age, Benji? Mm. probably around like 12-ish, not so young. I mean, maybe I played some touch, but like actually doing a bit of training, 12, 13-ish. And then is, yeah, a couple of years in Tanzania and then on to Culver. Yeah. Is uh is rugby a pretty big game in Tanzania? Yeah. Um, I'd say it's getting bigger. It's not, not like South Africa, not like... Any of those countries, Australia, but it's getting England, no, no, not like this, not nearly. Uh, the big one is soccer here, football for us, but soccer for you guys, uh, that's the big sport here, hundred percent. You're driving around, that's what you're seeing. People playing, that's what you're seeing. People watching, yeah. So I'm guessing the World Cup, everyone in Tanzania yeah. is like, 
fully invested. Fully invested. Yeah. Yeah. Playing then, everywhere. Yeah. Just I I uh talked to good old Pepe, Eric Modui. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, man, he, he was telling me, you know, he's rugby guy like us and he just so invested in the World Cup. He, like he's like, it's taken over my life here. I can't I can't uh you know, I can't really do much right now. I just gotta watch and see what happens. But yeah. Uh brother, that's awesome. So were you playing any soccer? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely playing some soccer. So that's where the Le Boot came from, the old up and under, little little yeah, rubber here and there. Yeah, yeah. You got you there. got that. I don't I, I definitely wasn't blessed with that capability. <laughs> uh, yeah. Love that. So we went to school in Tanzania all the way up until you were a junior, right? Yeah, or junior you... was my first year. Junior was first year at Culver. Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah. would that would be two thousand eleven, I think if I'm yeah. counting right. Yeah. And uh man, what was uh what was your first assessment of we'll say life in America when you first came? Yeah, I had uh I had visited the US my grandmother and my mom's side of the family a few times growing up, but not not that much. Um but you know, you watch a lot of TV. It's pretty much all based on American life. Right. Um, you kind of get the humor, at least. You get the kind of the conversation and that kind of thing from TV, internet, whatever it was in those days. Right. Um, it was just getting going then, back in those days. But then also, uh, Culver is the craziest experience. You know, like that's not the regular oh, U.S. Not experience by any means. At, at all. At all, not like a high school U.S. high school experience, at all. Uh, so not at all. It was. I don't know. I honestly, I didn't even have time to think about it. As far as I can remember, it was just like you're gonna hustle now. Uh, it's like hustle. drinking from a, a fire hose. Yeah, like when you get to Culver, they're like, "Cut your hair, shiny shoes. You're a new cat now. <laughs> Go to the uniform store. Yeah. Here's your post. Here's your post box." Here's your yeah. scarf. Here's your dresses. Put this on. I remember too. I was just like, "Shit, what I sign up for? This is a lot." Yeah. Holy shit! Yeah. And it's definitely um, like so you, uh, a rite of passage for sure. Yeah. Um. So yeah, then I didn't really have, I think the as much culture shock as I as I would have because everyone is also in the same boat there. You know, even though someone might be from Culver, Indiana, as well, they're right. not really having a comfortable time. They're not having a good time there. They're not. Having, they're not in their comfort zone at all. So 1, none of us were. Yeah, none of us were in our com- comfort zone. So you didn't really have anything to be jealous of necessarily, or feel different about. Everyone's just kind of in the shit. Yeah, we're all we're all in this shit together, and it's yeah exactly. And the thing about it is. I know I'll I'll just speak for myself, but definitely other Culver, other Culver brothers and 
our Culver sisters as well, CGA. Shout out to them. Um, yeah. You know, Culver isn't an easy experience, but it's an incredible experience that is always cherished. Uh, yeah. And I feel like almost everyone I know who's been a fellow grad, they, they feel that way. And Ben, you at Culver were in the troop. Yes. I, I was in good old infantry, just holding a gun, nothing special. You, though, mm-hmm. played polo and for the Black Horse Troop, which uh, they do. I the, um, I, I'm, I'm going to try and get this uh, Culver fact right. They're always at the inaugural parade for president or... Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. So I was in I was in Obama's second inaugural parade. Shout out shout out Obama. Yeah. As a yeah. random guy from Tanzania. <laughs> I'm surprised they led let you a, in, brother. <laughs> led by a, a Mexican at, at the front. So it's all sorts of things going on there. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Um spe- speaking of that, you know, kind of the say the cultural dynamic of true did have a lot of uh hispanics did have a lot of you know people from all over but definitely if you were to say where the most hispanic gentlemen at culver they're usually in the troop um did you pick up any spanish while while you were in troop brother not really, no. Maybe just some swear words re- most of the time. Um, a lot of the swear words. Yeah. They're the, the uh, Spanish ones. Yeah. They're pretty but, funny. Uh, it's, it was difficult. They spoke so fast. So, so fast. fast. And 10 of them speaking at the same time. And you're just like, yeah, no chance I'm keeping up with this. Yeah. 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 Benji, I'll I'll uh I'll admit it. Like the first time I saw you, I was like, "Is he Spanish? No, no, he's not. He's definitely he's definitely from somewhere else, though." And then I got to know you, and then you know it's history from there. But yeah, they speak so fast. It's every time every yeah. time I'm talking to a Spanish person, I'm like. Pump the brakes, please. Like, can we slow down? Are y'all, are y'all actually understanding what each other is saying right now? Do you speak Spanish then? No, nope. I'm just fluent in American and in Texan, brother. (laughs) That's all I got. The two, they're. I mean, they're good for where I'm at. But um, speaking of languages, Vinci, do you you uh? You look like you know a few. Do you know more than no, just, English? Just, just two. Uh, that's yeah. that's more than one, which would be more than one. Swahili. Holy shit, that's amazing. Yeah. How do you say "Good morning, ladies and gentlemen" in Swahili? Um. <laughs> There's no real, I wouldn't say there's good morning. You would ask how your morning is. You means how is your morning? One more time again, bro. Damn, that's 
That's impressive. Bari za asubuhi wanaume na wamama. Yeah. What is I I'm probably like a kindergartner when it comes to Swahili because I don't know much about it. Like I said, I only mm -hmm. speak Texan and American. Um, obviously, you have you have to somewhat like that language because it's stuck with you. So, what what are yeah? What's something you like about Swahili? Um, so even though I've never. I didn't really study it at school. I just picked it up from growing up here and speaking to people in Swahili. Um, but because it's it's a very, well, not simple, but in terms of how you write it, it all is phonetic. So exactly what it sounds like, that's how you write it down. That's the definitely by far the best thing. So even if you're just learning Swahili, you probably know how to spell the word. You know, right. it makes a k sound, it's a K. If it makes it a sound, it's an A. Then S is an S. So it's not super confusing, like maybe Chinese no. or Japanese could be, or, or even or even English. I mean, like you say psychology, and then you put a P at the beginning of the word. You know, like uh, there's none of that. And we're back, ladies and gents. Great to be back. Okay, brother. So we're talking yep. a little bit of Swahili, y'all's language. Mm -hmm. You know, seems, you know, pretty straightforward. You don't have uh, random stuff like we have in English. Um, are you speaking Swahili on a daily basis? A hundred percent. Almost probably equally to English. Wow. Is there, is there like a Swahili English mix that's kind of used? Yeah, hundred. Uh, um, my friends within my friend group, uh, because we mostly speak English, but there's just some things you'd. It's better to say in Swahili, so there is the mix for sure. And then at work, I'm fully, almost, hundred percent speaking Swahili. And that's incredible. What like what would be something that you would prefer to say in Swahili, or it sounds better. <laughs> um obviously this i'm sure this is maybe like between the boys talk with the friends yeah so if it's some um, slang but even like something want. like there, no there's a word like pole pole p-o-l-e by the way the spelling is pretty straightforward as well but that like means that. like it means i'm like i'm sorry but it also can mean like i'm sorry for you so like if someone's feeling bad, if someone's sick, if you hit someone, if you bumped into someone, you can use that word for all those things. So if someone's like just in a bad mood, you could just say pole to them. And just pole. Be like, yeah, I feel, I, I feel you, basically. It's I like that. One. I do like that. It's like we, we need that for English because, you know, a lot of people just say, oh, I'm sorry for just about anything. Canadians are well yeah. known for... Oh, sorry. Didn't mean to do it. Sorry. Just all the time. Mm. And um, I feel you. I feel like it's good, but it's nowhere near as efficient as Ole. Saying it right? Yeah. I'm going to start using that with everyone. They're going right, like, to be like, what are you saying? I'm like, got to look up your Swahili.
Okay, Ben. So after Culver, yeah, would you say you had a good experience at Culver? Just to reflect. Yeah, no, I really liked it. Um, I did. Uh, I did pretty well with the military stuff. Did my my early bo- early boards and was done with it. So I didn't suffer as long as other people did. Um, yeah, you absolutely did. So that was good. Um, and then I didn't do any more like chores and tasks after that first semester. So really, it was just one semester of rough roughness, and then it got better. So and then yeah. after that, yeah, I really liked it. You know, it's it's nice to have the contrast between suffering and then and then having fun. Like they made the weekends, I think, even better. Even though it wasn't that crazy what we were doing, we really really enjoyed it. You know. Yeah, we go to Papa's Pizza, <laughs> get a chicken, bacon ranch, calzone, maybe have a rugby game. Yeah. Back of the bus, rugby stories. Those were always a good time. Always a good time. So, brother, did you enjoy, not to put you on the spot, but did you enjoy rugby more at Culver or the polo? Uh, rugby for sure. Love it. Yeah, mo- most of my most of my friends were were the rugby team. Polo team was they were friends for sure, but I wouldn't say other than living with them, you know, in the same dorm, we weren't hanging out on the weekends and doing things. Yeah. Out in the fields playing some touch rugby or frisbee or whatever it was. Yeah. That's the that's the uh great thing about rugby is there's a spot for just about everyone who's got courage and heart and determination. You can be any size or shape and play the game and just need a ball. Just yeah. need a ball. Polo. Pretty expensive. A little bit more a little bit more than a ball. Gotta get you a horse. The startup cost to be a polo player. Probably a little steep compared to the rugby startup cost. Yeah, yeah. In the in like thousands more. Thousand times more, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> thousand times more. Yeah. Yeah. Because how much how much does like a good horse run on the market? Like if I was gonna go get a good horse, like in Texas, like a good one. Sure, yeah, yeah, in Texas. Ah, you're probably talking like thirty, I think, probably thirty thousand at least for like a good. Like you're talking about good, this is good horse, right? That's a car. That's like a night, a a pretty good car. Yeah, a brand new. Brand new uh, Jeep or something. I mean, and then, yeah, and then you just are, it. And that's probably like another thousand a month or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what, what the feed prices in the US are, but I'm sure you're paying quite a bit. Are the horses cheaper and... Tanzania? Um, yeah, I mean, I'd say a lot of things are cheaper. Anything you can farm is pretty much cheaper here just because labor is cheaper and there's not as much yeah it's not as yeah i would say i gotcha i hear you i like i mean i i like that definitely in a sense do you feel like the uh lower cost of living or lower like 
things don't cost as much as you said in Tanzania. Yeah. Is that yeah. uh definitely something that is advantageous or makes life a little easier, you feel like, or it's just Yeah, not hundred percent. Yeah. I mean my I mean just uh like an example is maybe my sister in the US right now is making double what I'm making here. Right. But on a monthly basis, because she lives in LA and I live in Tanzania, I have at the end of the month much more left over of my chunk than she has of hers because her rent alone is like three times, four times mine. Uh right. and so how much on, is and rent? it goes on to how much is so I've got a, kind of the average rent? I mean, you can you can range in Arusha. You could range from paying twenty dollars a month, thirty dollars a month for like a single room within a house with other people, to five, four, five thousand dollars for a big, big house. Um, my How house right now, yeah, two bed, two bedroom house. Uh, I can even show you around if it's if it's allowed for the one thousand percent, one thousand percent, like. Like there's a kitchen and then I love it. And then like a living area and then there's an upstairs area and then the two bedrooms further down. It's a house. Um it's a house. Seven hundred dollars yeah. a month. What? <laughs> Holy shit. That I might three three acres of land. Come over there. The three acres included <laughs> with the seven hundred. Yes, included. Sorry, my dogs are also banging at my door. Brother, but zero problem. Yeah, zero problems. Wow. That is just eye-opening. Yeah, so... And no wonder you love Tanzania so much. That's amazing. So, in Tanzania... Hey, buddy. What's the pupper's name? This one's Chase. Hey, Tiz. I'll grab my... Oh, Chase. Chase. Hey, Chase. Good to see you, buddy. I'll grab my um, guy in a little bit. All good. But um, yeah, seven hundred bucks. Seven hundred. That's that's phenomenal. I'd say like a semi-respectable apartment here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, which would be like one bedroom, a living area bathroom standard operation and apartment is like 12 1200 mm-hmm. and that is not 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 that nice but yours yeah. brother i like that setup a lot got enough room for maybe a texan to come visit pay a visit sometime oh 100 percent. you're welcome anytime how much is it uh or how f- long is that flight? Or how long well, does it take you Texas, if you're getting to, if you're getting to America? How long has it taken you previously? Um, you fly. You can fly from here to Amsterdam. Um, direct flight from here to Amsterdam is like eight hours ish. Uh, okay. Seven to seven to nine, depending on which plane you're on. I think. Uh, yeah, obviously those dreamliners and stuff like that move a bit quicker. And then from Amsterdam to New York, I think is eleven hours. 
So 20-ish, 20-ish hours of flying time. Not too bad. There's another option is you can fly from Tanzania to Kenya, just north of us, which is like an hour and a half. And then one 16-hour straight haul over to New York, which is I'd probably long, do that. but yeah, that one's nice. Just give me all the NyQuil and Unisom and all yeah. this. You know, probably take a little bit more than the recommended dose. Nothing crazy, but just sleep it off. Boom. Wake up in Kenya or Tanzania. Yeah. Yeah. Love it, brother. So Tanzania is obviously an awesome place. And uh, to fast forward on the timeline of life, was uh, University of Richmond a good experience? Yeah, no, I liked it. Um, it's uh, a small university. There's like 3,000 students. The spiders, right? Um, yeah, the spiders. Go spiders. Richmond spiders. Go spiders. Um, small university, so it's kind of like had a bit of a community feel, which was nice. I like that. Um, you know, you knew each other. People you're walking down, walking around campus, you knew most of the people you were running into or at least half of the people you could kind of like maybe over. name them or yeah you know kind of like over yeah um, i love that and and the classes were all there was no like lectures all small classrooms maybe maximum 25 students so also there it's a bit of a personal feel which i personally i like i would have struggled a lot more i think if i had to just go listen to someone talk and not be involved in it uh, damn i lectures suck at those not for me I'm asleep. Yeah. Boom! Immediately. Hundred percent. Especially Every if they don't time. care, you know. They got, they've got five hundred students. They don't give a shit if the guy in the front or the guy in the back is out. They don't yeah. know you. You're just a you're a number yeah. at that point. Exactly. So that's I really like that. That was nice about Richmond. Yeah. No rugby, right? At Richmond. They had a club team. The, no offense, they weren't, weren't great. Not people I wanted to play with necessarily. I, I understand wasn't that. Wasn't was, was my crowd. I fully get that. I fully get that. Our, you know, our our Culver program, we, we had a damn good team, honestly. A lot of... Yeah, yeah. A lot of big... It's fun. A lot of big boys, a lot of hard workers, a lot of talented foreign people like you, <laughs> Pepe, and, you know, we have the Hogan brothers. Yeah. Oh yeah, beasts! Uh, crazy. I mean, athletic, those crazy <laughs> athletes. Sh shout out, sh shout out to shout uh, out to the Hogan's. Yeah. Both the Hogan's, great guys. Seb Sebastian Litchfield. Yeah, Litchfield, my roommate. Man, I miss him. I hope he's doing good. Yeah, I've I've, I've actually seen him a few times over the years. Run into him and we're. Uh, we were both in Florida at the same time, so I'm in Florida, maybe oh, five, four or five years ago. Love that. What's out in Florida? Yeah. For me? Yeah. Um, or just vacation? My, da my dad my dad was visiting some clients, and I just went with him. Love that. A lot of beaches. Yeah. 
Yeah. Where did, where'd you go in Florida, me. brother? Oh, I'm trying to think where that one was that time. I've moved around a bit. I've done some places. Been to Miami, Naples, um, Vero Beach. There's that island, Sanibel Island. I think I went one year. Um, a lot of a lot of uh, the Florida Keys is they got a lot of keys. I don't know them all, but um, Florida, Florida, great place for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Definitely, um, definitely a kind of unique part of the United States that that has a culture of its own and similar to Texas. Yeah. And let's say California is kind of like that. New York, um, those are probably the main places. All right, Benji. So fast forward. Love that University of Richmond was a good time, good community. Good time. I actually got to learn. Which a lot yeah. of a lot of these American students or students in general that go to these massive universities, I think we were both both in the camp of thinking that not the best way to learn when it's a little too crowded. But luckily, you didn't have that experience at Baylor. I didn't really have that experience. We did have smaller classrooms, and now, brother. I know there's probably a big chapter of life from after University of Richmond till now. But um, <laughs> did we go straight in to becoming the modern day Tarzan and now um, being a safari guide? Or what was the progression like? Well, just walk me through it, brother. So right now I'm actually not a, I'm not a safari guide anymore. Um, well, I am qualified to be one, but that's Bubbled not up. what I'm doing at yeah, kind of, a little bit, sort of. Um, so progression, long progression. I'm here. I came for back it, and I, <laughs> I came back and I started working for my for my dad at his safari company, um, and I did that from when, right after he gra- well, first right after he, I graduated, I went and traveled a bit. I went to Thailand for a while for like a month, and I came back, um, just to have fun in Thailand party. I've heard Enjoy. good things about Thailand. Some crazy Thailand's things. Fun, fun place. But also Thailand, a lot of good Thailand things. Of... Fun place, fun place. Um, Definitely want to go. I heard they have so... good milkshakes that they can make on the beach. To like, yeah. And make you feel really good. Yeah, they do have those those nice feeling milk, milkshakes for sure. Love a good milkshake. <laughs> I also love a good milkshake. Um love to hear it brother so so i um yeah came back to tanzania and started working for my dad worked for him for two years or so two two and a half years and then uh a little bit uh down in tanzania there was a time where they um they built a task force. Our old president, I don't know if you heard about him. Not I don't, necessarily I'm, say I would say love to know. Negative, not necessarily trying to say anything negative about anything, but he was very strict on, on the rules. Um, like a he dictator? Was saying, he was fighting. Uh, I wouldn't say that far, but they definitely, that word might have been thrown around here and there. 
And this shows for um, entertainment purposes only, ladies and gents. So if you know if we misquote something, <laughs> you know we're just we're just here for yeah. your entertainment purposes. Yeah. So, so he was um, strict. Yeah, and then and then because of that, a lot of other people took advantage of that, and basically these task forces were sent out in Tanzania, and they were their jobs was to find companies that had been evading tax um, and then not charge them with evading tax, then charge them with economic sabotage uh, and money laundering. So Jeez. there was basically a, a period of time in Tanzania and it, those, those charges, because those charges are unavailable. So there was a period of time in Tanzania where kind of all business shut down. I mean, just being realistic, Tanzania is still a developing country. Um, right. Corruption happens on a daily basis here. It still yeah. happens still today. And it right. has happened for a long time. And it happens everywhere in the world. But it happens here. Um, and basically, they were trying to fight that or change that. But it's not easy. Years, yeah. And it's not. it's really not easy when you then look back five or ten years at a company. Right. So you're looking back. They're back taxing. They were back taxing people for... Yikes. years of informal or incorrect taxes or whatever and, yeah, and they're coming with for they're it's like they yeah, yeah, force force they come it's to like, you they're like you're paying you're going, we're going to take you're your going jail. to your jail or you're paying and my dad right like any other businessman in tanzania definitely had done maybe what he had done to get things and it's not like he have done he had he was tax evading or that kind of thing but he might have pushed some things along here and there, you know, given a little present or whatever. One thousand percent. It was a smart businessman. Should they, they hit him? Hit him pretty bad. Um, and he was in. He was locked up for like a year, a year and a month or two in Tanzania for economic sabotage. Um, wow. Was wild. That that's uh, a roller coaster of emotions for you, probably, and. Yeah, so I, I, I was the only, um, my brother and sister both live in LA. Um, I lived here in Tanzania working with my dad and my parents are divorced. So it was, yeah. it was me. Um, when my dad went away. The of the house, well, the business. Yeah, of his, his business. So I ran his business while it was still operating because he had his safari bookings on for the next year and a half after he went away. Yeah. Um, so I ran his I ran his business for a year and a half while he was he was locked up and yeah that was a pretty hectic time in my life a lot of high end clients a lot of you learn real quick yeah and I had no choice and I was the only because my dad's company the way it worked is it was private guided he would go meet his clients wherever they lived in the world meet them at their homes get to know them before they ever came on safari very high end. Uh, luxury safaris so he's already met these people at their house so the only person who really makes sense to right. take over those safaris is me is me as his son because at least there's a connection there yeah i can um, see that so and you're just, a, yeah, young, you're just a, a young young lad at that time and you're probably going four years old to these so you then had to go visit these clients i'm assuming 
So, so no, I didn't, I wasn't, cause I didn't try, I wasn't really working on booking new clients. It was like my dad books a year in advance, usually all of his clients. Okay. So okay. it was the, the remaining clients was another year and a bit of clients that I, that I took on Safari for his company. Um, wow. yeah, crazy times. So this was, um, this was over the course of like a, a year, two year periods right yeah my dad yeah my dad was away for a year and two months i think what was it like that day your dad came back to walk me through it um that'd be pretty awesome the the day the day he came back so i wasn't even in the country i was uh i went down to south africa and i was doing a uh an extra guiding course learning some more about animals and birds and all that um And yeah, so he got out while I was there and I didn't even have a phone signal for most of the day. So yeah, finally he called me and it was, it was, yeah, I mean, that was pretty crazy because he hadn't had a phone in, in jail here. He had, there's no phone. So I was away in South Africa for two months and I hadn't spoken to him and he did just call me and that was, yeah, pretty wild to hear his voice on the phone after not hearing him for more than a year. I mean, honestly, amazing. I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know many I don't know anyone who's ever had that happen internationally but I know you know any any time a parent is absent and hey son this now's your time yeah I got to I got to do what I got to do and hats yeah. off to you brother that's that's thank uh you. thank you that's an accomplishment in in its own right um Mm-hmm. So you learned the safari business and the high end safari business pretty quickly. Yeah, I'm guessing. I had no choice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had grown up. My 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 dad had done that my whole life. So grown up around it, did that. My summer holidays was doing, going on trips with my dad and seeing what he does and how he interacts with clients and how it works and. And then obviously, even after I graduated from university, I did like another year and a half, two years with him there, um, mm-hmm. kind of like apprenticing, apprenticing him. So I wasn't like I came in cold with nothing, knowing nothing, but definitely was a lot more than I intended to be doing at that age because I was what, 24? I yeah. bet. I bet. And taking multimillionaires, you know, rich people from the US on safari in Tanzania with quarter be me being maybe a quarter or not a quarter but like a third of their age so 70 year old men yeah Yeah. get to get to uh have to learn very fast but i'm sure you have to soak in a lot of wisdom from these people who are so successful that they have the freedom and ability to do something like that yeah so so benji i'm curious so say say for example i'm a a Texan millionaire who's always just wanted, which I'm not, but hopefully one day, but hypothetically say I'm some Texan millionaire who's would love to go to Tanzania and I research and I find y- y'all's company back. I know this, it may be not necessarily what your role is right now, but I know you mentioned how your dad would come meet and stay mm-hmm. and get to know them. Like what would, uh, what would that process kind of look like? So you'd come, you'd come visit me and tell me about. Yeah. So 
my my dad's thing was he was all word of mouth so he didn't advertise online really I mean, he had a website but it was just basically you open the website there was a slideshow of pictures and then it said like contact information below there was no nothing to click there was nothing no yeah, email just, newsletter no form no, you just have the, yeah you, there's email below and enough phone number so he could email my dad or call so yeah that was basically it um Word of mouth. So he his clients would then go back after their safari and tell their friends about my dad and so hopefully get him um more clients and it worked. I mean it it definitely worked. He was very successful, was able to send us to schools across the world, you know, we were well taken care of, had great childhood. Um it definitely worked. But yeah, so it was let's say then if you were coming on safari you would have probably been recommended by one of your friends who had come on safari with us before and they'd say hey my dad george is coming to town um would you like to meet him i know you're interested in a safari and maybe my dad would meet you just at like a dinner and just casually talk about it first and then say if you want to talk about it more if you'd like any more information we can i can come and give you a full presentation at your house and then he'd go and maybe some places he'd take a projector or slides or whatever. So some, show some photos of Tanzania, the kind of what the camp looks like, give them an idea of what they would be doing. And then obviously, you know, everything is tailor made. So you can, you can come and do a full tented safari where more rustic and more out in the bush experience, or you can do the fanciest of the fancy where you're staying at a, at a hotel that would be nice anywhere in the world, you know, paying right. ridiculous amounts of money. Uh, so there's a full range of all the different options you want to do. And then yeah. from there, you book probably, if you from when you met my dad, book for like a year in advance from there. And then next year, there's a wait list. time that was, there is, there was. My dad's no longer really operating at the moment in Tanzania. Right. Um, but, but yeah, there was definitely quite a wait list. So Benji, Next question. When did you know that you wanted to be a part of that business and that a part of that life? Um, I'd say pretty young. I pretty restless guy. I don't know, maybe undiagnosed ADD, whatever it is. I can't I'm struggling now still. I sit at a desk a lot, but I, I'm like constantly getting up, doing things, whatever. Um Yep. Yeah, I just I I didn't like it at all. <laughs> I knew a long time ago that I needed to do something that was going to involve something more stimulating than my computer. Even now I can't, I mean like, yeah, I like to watch Netflix and whatever Instagram sometimes, but. And I say, Excel, hell no, get it out of here. I can do it. I can do a quick, lion. I can do a quick, quick Excel, but I'm not, I don't want to spend my six days working on one Excel sheet or something like that. Right. It's better to get out there and be living. Yeah. So spe- speaking of the um, safari experiences, Benji, what do you love most about safaris? Um. I don't know. I wouldn't. I don't know about favorite. Um, love the most. 
Or maybe another, here's another question I could kind of segue into that. What are some of the animals that you see when you're on these safaris? I I know people can go to your Instagram, which is absolutely phenomenal. And what's what's the, every time I go to it, I get fired up. It makes me want to be in Tanzania. Brother, what what's the, the Instagram handle again to to a T? It's, it's uh Benji Mav. B E N J I M A V. Follow it if you hear this. Follow immediately. I guarantee you won't uh be let down because there's some amazing specimens out there. Um but just to let the fine folks out there, what are some things people could expect to see? They were with you. Um, yeah. Um, the standard, as you'd say, African animals: the lion, leopard, cheetah. Um, there's many different types of antelopes. You can go kudu, elephant, obviously, hippos, gazelles, Grant's gazelle, Thompson gazelle. Um, yeah, wildebeest. Big. Big animals, giraffe, giraffes, zebra. Yeah, I mean, pretty much all those standard African animals you can think of. How about the old rhino? Any yeah, rhinos? You can see the rhino. Or... Yeah, you can see rhino in Tanzania. And hippo too, right? And hippo too. Yeah. Hippos, word on the street, they can be mean, sound bitch. If you get on the yeah. wrong side yeah. of them. Yeah, hippos are not fun. Um, it's the most deadly land animal in Tanzania. After yeah. the after the mosquito, which kills more people just because of the malaria. But um, right, yeah, hippos are pretty dangerous, especially when they're outside of the water. So the the main thing that what happens is um, that what causes hippos to kill people all the time is that people are going down early in the mornings to collect water to bring home maybe down at the river or whatever in like the rural rural areas they walk down to the river and the hippo went out hippos graze on land so they actually don't eat usually in the water they're getting out at nighttime they're going on land they're grazing on grass um but then the hippos get caught on the land and they want to get back in the water because that's where they feel comfortable mm-hmm. and there's a person in the way there's a person in the way and they use their their teeth to move that person usually Definitely, yeah. I've I've seen a uh, I've seen a lot of hippo YouTube videos and kind of the History Channel style documentaries on them. Fascinating creature, but yeah, do not want to get chomped by one of those. Look, nah. <laughs> no, I mean I've seen like, them like, massive. I've seen them chomp a watermelon, and it's just like it, and it's gone. Easy. Yeah. 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 Not not fun. So Benji, have you ever uh had a little scary hippo run in? Uh yeah. Uh not not scary. Well, I mean it was because it happened I worked at a, a lodge for a while. Um mm-hmm. unfortunately it was right at the beginning of COVID, so it didn't last long. Um I was managing a, a lodge in southern Tanzania, uh in what used to be called the Selu Game Reserve. Which okay. again at the time, again at the time, as of four years ago or so, it was the biggest game reserve in the world. 
Um, now they've one. split it into they've split it into two, um, so it's not I don't think anymore. But it's still now. I mean, I think it's it was fifty four thousand square kilometers. Huge, massive like Belgium, like the size of Belgium or something. Um, and uh, so I was working down there, and it was right on the Rafiji River, and that river is pumping with crocodiles and and now now crocodiles and hippos so a lot of experiences and there was one hippo that they had named bruce bruce the hippo in the camp and he was he had decided that his home was the camp so my office stairs stairs and he was he would be chilling right there at the bottom of the stairs and like sometimes you have to wait a little bit so you can move out the way so you could walk down the stairs he was just always around never anything never never did anything to anyone bruce was fine but definitely still a sketchy sketchy thing because they're very sketchy a couple tons a couple tons of animal yeah 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 it's not well shout out bruce to being a, a nice big big boy um, yeah big friendly hippo big friendly hippo the world needs more of those because obviously they are a deadly creature <laughs> speaking of other fascinating creatures we've seen or i've seen on your instagram lion cheetah leopard out of those three brother which one is the most incredible species leopard leopard well i don't know i guess they all have their their thing you know leopard and I mean, just, but the crazy thing about leopard is it's like 70, 80 kilos. I don't know what that, that's like 150 to 170 pounds. Um, of size of a man. A big, yeah. relatively I mean, big man. Yeah, this is my, I'm 75 kilos, so I'm like 165 or 160, something like that. Um, so my weight basically is a leopard, but my lep, that same weight could me a tree that's straight vertical with no branches you know just like claws into the tree and carry me up that tree at my current weight being Easily. the same weight as me which which isn't crazy and in like a few seconds you know right run up a tree with me it's wild that's insane um, yeah. so leopards leopards strong a strong ass animal yeah and, and then cheetah of course like much thinner, narrower, but so fast as well. Like breaking sixty miles an hour, fast, which is insane. Yeah, I mean, sixty miles an hour, an animal running like that. Yeah, that just makes me think of like my car going down the highway and just a cheetah just right with me the whole time, <laughs> and it'd be yeah. completely like technically feasible. Yeah. Does the leopard run pretty fast? I know it kind of got the yeah, same so, color colors as a cheetah, but does it have the same speed? Yeah, not the same speed. No, no, it's not doing. It's got um a very fast burst though. Like it's maybe like twenty thirty meters, but it's doing like maybe fifty fifty miles an hour in that in that burst, but not not a long distance. Still very fast. Yeah, very fast. And what's like, a lion? Not... What's a lion clock in at? 
it's around fast. the same as the uh, as the leopard a little bit slower than the leopard they're just much heavier you know lions maybe even a female lion is double the weight of a male leopard yeah so and then a male yeah. lion you're thinking you're looking at like four times the weight of a leopard and you've you've come across many lions i know there's yeah a, a lot of pictures videos that you have of the lions which again go look at it ladies and gents you you got to um so with these with these large cats brother i, I i'll admit i'm very fascinated by them and the fact yeah. that you get to see them in the wild is just awesome in its own right uh any stories with any of these large cats yeah, there's definitely one that stands out. One story. Is this a La- um, Latham, Latham Island? Or is that... No, no. Okay, we'll no, get Latham there. We'll... Is a... <laughs> Latham we'll... Island is a different story. We'll get there. Yeah. Um. So, I'll give you... This is in that period where my dad is not no no longer around. And I was uh, doing his his trips for him. Right. He had booked. He had booked a couple. It was a a group trip, so it was actually a mixed group, which is not normal for us. We don't do that at all. But he did like one a year, where people could, if they're not sure if they want to book, but they want to see what it's like, they right. could come and do join that that group trip and kind of get a feel for what it was. And it was good for us as like a marketing tool, you know, get it spread out to a lot more people in one trip. Um, so that's what my dad was doing. Um, and there was this group and it was uh husband and wife aged eighty four and eighty one, I think, or old. Something like that. Seventy seventies or eighties, somewhere in that in that range. Older folk uh, for sure. O- older for sure. Um and then their daughter Okay, so they must have been in the 70s because their daughter was like 40. Okay. Um, yeah, so I think they were 70s. Their daughter was like 40s. And then there was another woman who was in her mid-50s. So all the whole group, a lot older than I am. Um, Definitely. And yeah, at age 20, 24. And um, we're staying at one of the lodges that my dad was a partner in. And we're tented lodge. And we're just, they say they want to do a bit of a walking walking safari in the morning. So we stay overnight at this lodge in the morning with the camp manager who does the guided walks there, yeah. myself and and um, four of them. And then one of their local Maasai, one of the tribes men from that area also there with us. Um, Gotta have the tribes from there probably. Yeah, you know, just they know the land better than better than anyone else. So he worked worked for us at the lodge, and yeah, for sure. So we're walking, um, and as we're leaving, I'm I'm not armed, but the guy who's leading. Whenever you're leading a walk, you're armed. So he's armed, uh, four five eight. What what kind Magnum. of? Okay, love it. Four five eight, yeah, big 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 caliber round. Oh yeah. Um. So he's walking, but he comes up to me and he's like, uh, I don't know if I will 
if I make this walk. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, I was up all night on the toilet. Like, my stomach is really not doing well. Um, so I said, that's that's fine. Do you want me to just go and do the walk? And he's like, no, 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 I'll do it. Um, but if I have to leave, I'll, I'll just leave. And he's going to be so walking, walking them uh, th- through... The bush, yeah. yeah, yeah. You go when you're when you're doing walking safaris. You choose like the less brushy areas, so where you have a bit of a line of sight uh, around you. So just nothing. You're not surprising anything. Nothing is surprising you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So just just want to keep your distance from things, especially on foot, obviously. And the party um, is so yeah, with he, y'all. Is he, are they behind y'all? The people who you're touring. So I I took I back up uh, i was mm-hmm. at the back of the group but unarmed at the, at the time and he's at the front and then the group is in between us so i don't mm-hmm. let anyone pass me behind and he doesn't let anyone pass him in front that's kind of how it works um so we're walking we're walking and we did of course because they're older in their 70s uh, we're walking doing short walk mile and a half maybe maybe pushing it two miles at most it's they're nice fit stroll. they can walk just a stroll, you know, we saw some elephants, everything's going well, some zebra, wildebeest, water buck, all that, all the Lovely. nice things. Um, everything's going well. And the walk was from the lodge just to a, uh, a couple miles away. And then the car was going to come collect us there at that water hole. <coughs> and um, yeah, so we're getting there and now it's like 500 yards away the waterhole we can see it in the distance we're like yeah everything's good um we start saying like calling the car to come collect us and then the guide walks up to me the manager camp manager he walks up to me like veggie i'm not gonna make it to that to the waterhole i need to go um so i said that's fine. I'm, but we're with the client, so I'm not going to sit here and listen to you take a take a shit basically behind this bush. So right. I'm just going to continue the walk with the clients. So I'm finished. We'll meet you at the waterhole. Right. Um, and so we we continue walking. I take the gun. I go up front. Now it's just me and them, and then the the local guide. Yep. <laughs> um, and we walk and we walk, and then there's like in this really thick bush. There's like an archway between these two bushes that has basically just been cut out before by cars driving in through that thing anyway. So it's like a proper arch. Cars have hit it many, many times. All the leaves have fallen, so it's perfect. And we're walking, and that's like the last thing. You walk through that little archway in the bushes, and then you're kind of at the waterhole. So I'm walking through this bush, and I, I take like a couple of steps into it, and I hear just like a, a rumbling sound, and I'm thinking, you know, like elephant or something. But then I stop, and I like tell the clients, like, stop. And just goes quiet. Everything's fine. And then, like, clients are a bit quiet and asking, like, what's what's up? Like, what's wrong? And I said, nothing. I just thought I heard something. And then I, so I said, okay, let's take, and I take another, like, two steps. And this time, like, I feel, hear a full growl at that point. And the most unnerving thing about this situation, so I've got right. the gun in, in my hand. And I, I look down, and the bush is so thick. I don't even, I can't see what's in there. Right. I still don't know necessarily exactly what's in there. 
but at that point I knew it was a cat. Yeah. So lion most likely not leopard leopard really but you heard the or whatever the you heard a cat like noise a proper, like, no a growl it was like a, a growl. proper like deep proper growl like nothing no doubt about it like at the beginning and... of the, those movies no they don't do it like that it's more like a like when a dog growls at you right imagine that and put it through a huge i can just feel speaker. it it's and you can chills. feel it in your chest, you know, like, yeah, like that kind of growl. Um, just letting me know that we're coming too close. So then I stopped the clients and I said to them, like, yeah, okay, so now we need to just keep keep looking forward and walk backwards slowly, slowly. So up until this point, we're not moving. Uh, we're still just, they're just in shock, I guess. And I'm just like, no, like, really, really need to move. And then they, start to like start to walk back 70 years old so we're moving really slowly and then we're walking back and then out of the bushes the guy who went to take a shit comes out and he's like no you guys are going the wrong way and we're like shut the fuck yeah, yeah just like be quiet basically. not now we're yeah essentially that and we start walking back walking back walking back we get to the tree behind and then after like a minute or two the car that was coming to pick us up gets there so we jump in the car and we drive around the bush and then in the like just walking away over the over the other bank of the waterhole is just this big male lion. Um, but I think maybe maybe six to eight feet away from me because I was not hearing the sound from I was hearing it from down next to me. Right. But it was just it was looking and it could definitely see me and I couldn't see it at all, which was the scariest thing about the whole thing. I never until after getting in the car, I'd never seen the lion, which was scary. That's scary. Fascinating. That's yeah. such a, a big, powerful beast can disguise itself so well yeah. during that yeah. time. Just some thick bush. Yeah. Some thick bush. Mm-hmm. All right. No one no one was eaten, no, which is good. No one was eaten. No, no, no. No injuries, nothing. Everything was good. It was just a definitely like a like could have gotten eaten moment. Yeah. yeah. Could have gotten eaten. Yeah. Lucky day. Brother, keep those lucky days coming. I know you're out, out <laughs> in the wild. Yeah. And, um, damn. Yeah, that just gives me chills thinking about that. Okay, brother. So now I do have to ask tell me the story about the trip to Latham Island. Latham. Uh, yeah, you should. When you get a chance, just look up Latham Island on Google. Um, it's... I will. I'll do it right now. I'll do. I would that be a good, uh, a good uh, preliminary understanding yeah, of the it's, story. It's basically a, a tiny, tiny sand island, just sand, sand and rock, in the middle of the ocean, like forty-five miles offshore. Nothing around it, nothing else other than this island. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and just kind of read to give a, a little preface yeah. to the audience. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Ladies and gents, we're about to get the um, the story from Ben on his trip to Latham Island. And this is what Latham Island is, according to the fine folks at Wikipedia. Latham Island, known as Fungu Kizimkazi. Kizimkazi, yeah. 
Bangu Bakra is a small, relatively isolated island in the Zanzibar Arch Archipelago. Archipelago. Yep. Thank you, brother. We've got some maybe African terminology here that maybe I'll butcher. You know, it's with all respect. I'm trying my best. Tanzania, which is historically under the government of Zanzibar since 1898. The island has several local names in addition to Fungu Kizmikazi, the most notable, which is Bunga La Mabarak, after the Arab who had the right to collect the wreckage there in the reign of Syed Bargadash, who was the Sultan of Zanzibar. The island was featured on an early 16th century Portuguese map, but it derives its present name from the East India man Latham, who rediscovered this island in 1758. Small island. Small from what it looks like. Founded by coral reefs. Yeah, tiny, tiny island. Tiny island off the coast of Tanzania. Yeah. Uh, it's tiny. I mean, like you walk across it, and from one side to the other, maybe three minutes, and then for the long way, maybe six minutes or something. Like tiny. Zero point three kilometers long, zero point one kilometers wide. Yeah, so like a thousand feet by whatever, five hundred. Like a like a football field. Maybe yeah, a little, a little bigger. bigger. Yeah. Few football fields. A few football fields. So what happened to Benji during his trip to Latham Island? So a lot of my my friends and I are uh, big into the fishing, uh, but not in the like we're a bit more um, small scale. I would say you know we're not we're not we don't have a seventy foot whatever Bertram yacht fishing boat that we have where you were fishing on small skiffs and you know kind of like the, the boys going the boys going fishing the boys the boys going fishing hell yeah um, I love that so, so like 15 15 of us got together 15 friends and we're we decided where we're going to Latham but we're going to go we decided we're gonna go camp camp on Latham Island for four nights and four nights i've uh yeah three four nights this was just last year three three nights four days i think maybe um yeah so but that means we had everything we needed to carry everything we we needed for 15 with with crew members and to get a few guys for the boats and mechanics and stuff ended up being 19 people on the island so we need a pack for 19 people um so five boats five boats um split all the all the stuff equipment tents everything kitchen everything you know all um, the essentials split that between the canopies because it's middle of an island not not single tree on it so you need shade or else you die it's the worst I mean honestly I would not take anyone there that I really like that didn't really want to go there it was torture um, right but it's like a it is the most I think in my eyes the most brutal place I've ever been. Um so we arrive well first we we go to Zanzibar, fifteen guys, uh, a lot of us rugby players, and you know when you get all the fifth like 
a bunch of rugby players together drinking. A hell of a time with the boys. Ru- it gets rowdy. So we ended up the night before going out until five. Whatever sure. It was. Late night with the, leaving with the at, lads. Leaving at 5.30 to go to Lathan Island. Oh. Um, so, so arrive back. Quick turnaround. Get our shit. Get on a boat. And three boats that are like private. Okay, decent boats. And then there's two boats that are rented. And I'm on one of those two rented boats. And those two rented boats are kind of not great. No Man. shade. Oh. No so we, we just ate sunlight for hungover at 6 a.m. in the morning until oh. one, like six, seven hours of sun. Sleep deprived, uh, just liquor, sweating through the skull. It, yeah, yeah, all the good stuff, you know, just like brutal start to the trip. That's first day over. And we arrive Adam. on this island. Beautiful. The water is the most blue. I've never seen any water like that anywhere in the world in my life crazy clear water beautiful seas and the island looks so nice everything looks so nice we're so chuffed to be there and then as we get a bit closer we realize these waves that are next to this island are fucking insane like massive waves yeah proper waves that and they're not like a smooth rolling wave it's like up and then crash down high go high up and crash down heavy waves Damn. And we obviously have to, we now have to offload five boats onto shore. Um, and we've all hung over, just had sitting in the sun for four or five hours, maybe longer, uh, and now have to offload tents oh. and, and water and, yeah, like swimming with a 20 gallon drum of water, like behind you, trying to get it to shore just to, and then get a, and then you That's get to heavy. shore, uh, yeah. And then you get to shore, and nice waves. Either the waves are fucking awful, and inside the waves are just like boulders of coral. So you, I see you it's surrounded all by a a coral reef. Is what it says. Yeah. So then there's just so it just breaks off chunks of coral, and you're trying to pull stuff onto the beach at the same time. The waves are throwing chunks of coral at your ankles. Or yeah. face or arm or whatever. If you fall over, you get rocked. If you, I mean, it was just so bad. It was awful. And we like got a war. everyone off. It was like a, the worst. And we offloaded. We got all the shit up. The canopy was up and we put everything underneath. And everyone just like sat there broken. Humans broken. Tough, tough people. You know, people who have like. Rugby warriors. Ru- yeah. Rug- ru- They've rugby been through warriors. this shit. This shit. Safari guys who have been through this shit in the bush as well, you know. Rough days. Every single person was broken. I bought. We. I went and bought like seven cases of beer the day before. We we're like getting pumped. We we're like, yeah, we're gonna drink. We didn't have. I don't think anyone had a single beer on the first day. Not even one. Like, didn't open a beer. No one. It was rough. It was. Uh, and then. At least these waves. I'm. I'm just. You know, trying to put a. Uh... A picture to to mind, ladies and gents. If you look at this island, it's it's out in the middle of the of the sea. So, if you've been deep sea fishing, those waves are massive. So it's kind of like these waves are just interrupted, uninterrupted, but hitting this island. Yeah, it's like big deep sea fishing waves, proper swell, 
big breakers. For the first day, y'all find you'll you survive, thank God. Hung over, banged yeah. up, battling, corals smacking you in the face, but y'all stayed alive. Stayed alive. No beers went were fishing drinking that on the first day. No, went did some fishing in that afternoon, late afternoon. Caught a bit of fish here and there. Morales got increased a bit. Love that. And, uh, we're sleeping in in uh, tents, obviously on the beach. So we set up our tents. Everyone's good. Everyone's got their tent, uh, and we, for some reason, went on full moon on spring tide, highest tide of the year, lowest tide of the year, like the craziest tides. Um, so day one, we don't really know what to expect once the tide comes up, but we set up our tents like we thought we should. And, you know, right. the nighttime tide is worse because the moon is what affects the tide. The nighttime tide is worse than the daytime tide. So that nighttime at at 3 a.m., like 70% of us just all got rocked by a wave, like in our tents. Wake up. Shitty way to be woken up. Shitty alarm. Yeah. <laughs> After dying all Shitty day, 3.30 a.m., waves come in hard and everyone's just like scrambling to try and get their shit out of the water. Salt water everywhere. And everyone, I mean, like, just fucked. And everyone's yeah. awake now, trying to cluster closer together into the middle of this island and trying to find where we could possibly sleep. Were you oh, the only the people? Is there any other? Was there any one other? One of the nights there was, a... the nights there was other people camping there, another, like, tourist group that came to go fishing just because they came to go fishing on Latham Island. But other than that, no, no one else. Um, I'll put an image up also... of the island. Uh during this part of the story, because I'm I'm looking at it and I can envision all of this right now. It's also like a uh, a breeding ground for a bunch of water birds, like uh, lesser masked boobies is one of the species, Love and then it. a bunch of Love different terns. Oh, I'll do. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there's these birds, tons of birds, thousands, thousands, thousands of birds just breeding on the island, and it smells like shit and. You get rocked by waves, and it's just an all-around oh, shit place. I'm, um, I'm seeing these birds now. Holy shit. That's a lot yeah. of birds. A lot of birds. Like, Whoa. most birds you can, you'd have probably ever seen in your life in one place. Um, yeah, so it was just a wild experience, and that was day one. And then day two, you know, we went, we did fishing. We are a bit settled and whatever. It's good. Everything's good. Day two, still no one's really getting on the drinks, maybe a couple beers here and there. Um, and then day two, nighttime, waves got even worse. Even after everyone moved, still got rocked. Everyone oh. awake again at 4 a.m. Everyone again awake at 4 a.m. Um, soaking yeah. wet. Soaking wet. My friend at this point had like, it, a wave came so hard, like ocean, like trash from the ocean into his tent because he left the door open because there's nothing to worry about out there. And he's got like cans of old motor oil cans inside of his tent. It's just like, oh, hate day that. three, yeah. Day three, I think, was the only day we packed up everything and moved it to the one area we found and could huddle around and wasn't getting rocked by waves. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that was good. And then day four uh, was the day trip, the trip back. 
and I had the craziest experience of my life fishing uh, on the way back. We met, we found this like thing they call FADS, fish aggregation devices. I think they're illegal some places, but we found one just floating in the middle of the ocean. And it's basically things with boxes that people design to make fish attracted to them. Like a mouse. In the middle of nowhere. Like mouse trap a big but box. for fish. Yeah, it doesn't trap. It doesn't trap. It just, they just come near it. They come and chill underneath the shade of it. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, we found this thing. Is it illegal because it, it, you know, these fish collects the unknowingly yeah, attracted them, to it? They just come to it and they stay there. And then it makes it easier for people to just fish them, however, whatever. But oh, anyway, all day, all, all day. And I had never, I'd never even seen one in real life. I've heard of them. I've seen them on. What, what's the name of them again? A fish aggregation device, FAD, FAD. Fish, I think a, fish aggregation device. Yeah. Okay, so you'll you'll come across this, and in the middle of the ocean, and uh, my friend, I'm like, there's definitely going to be something underneath this thing, and and lo and behold, we take one cast into this water with our rod, first reeling it in straight onto a fish, and that was a dorado or mahi mahi, I think you call them there. Yeah. Straight first. And then we, I just continued to cast in there, and pretty much every time anything landed in the water, something would grab it. It was the most wild thing. I didn't, I didn't believe that they were that good, but they're actually that good. I guess these things. I'm looking at um, them now. Yeah, I, they just, they come running like flies to shit. So I was just, we were just catching so many fish, and then my friend caught like a, maybe like a four or five foot shark, um, and we were just. Yeah, we just kind of then fucked for the oil. So we're in yeah. this tiny ass boat. I mean, like a 18 foot boat with this. And are y'all keeping shark neck. Keep, keeping these fish? I mean, that's good so protein. At that, at that point, I mean, so on the other days, I mean, we, we caught like over a thousand pounds of fish in the few days we were there. Maybe a thousand five thousand five hundred. We sold a bunch to try to pay for our fuel and stuff like that. It was kind of a pricey trip we rented some boats and stuff as well so we were paying for paying back our our expenses a little bit with the the money we sold fish for and then uh we tipped our our, the crew because we bought like a chef like cook from one of the safari companies to come and cook for us while we were there we didn't want to cook as well as doing all the fishing and missions so he cooked for us we gave him a nice gave him a nice tip um hell yeah it was kind of paid for that and helped us along with that but but a lot of the fish we ate we ate a lot of the fish and and then i because this was the last day and we were heading back i kept a few of those fish to bring back and freeze and keep at home and i have been eating them slowly slowly um for the last few months whenever i wanted some fish you know at least i know where it came from absolutely the the freshest way to get it i mean right right from your rod (laughs) yeah do we eat the shark the shark no, came? the shark. We little no, shark we tried sandwich? to take. It, we, it ended up. It ended up snapping the line after a while. But we were trying to figure out because we didn't have any any shark handling equipment. We didn't have. I don't know. Like yeah, I don't even know. I don't know where that. you would. I don't even know what shark know what handling the, equipment is, but I know it's probably out there. But expensive. You know, maybe and, some ropes, ropes and stuff to tie around certain places of their body and lasso, or I don't know. I don't know what they do, but. We couldn't handle it, so 
we were trying yeah. to figure out how to get the hook out of his mouth without losing our hand. Yeah, I I mean, if it was me, I would have just said, "All right, we'll just Lose he'll have, he'll he'll have to use that hook to build, <laughs> catch it'll, fish. It'll, it'll build some character for him." Yeah, he can catch up. Yeah. <laughs> It'll just be another tooth. Yeah, I mean, it was the wild. The even the amount of sharks. Like I, I cast it in one time, and I caught like a small little tuna, like a little yellowfin tuna, and I'm reading it in, and it suddenly just gets much stronger, and I. And the shark, half of it, and it's still chewing on it, and like even as I pull the tuna out the water. The shark is still chewing with outside the water. Its head is outside the water, still chewing on the tuna. It's wild. I've never seen it. I just couldn't believe it. Brother, that's amazing. So so it it sounds like everyone got back alive though, which is a a great victory from the trip to Latham Island. Yeah, now we made it we're gonna make it an annual trip, I think. So Y'all definitely should. As long as the tide is uh, you know, not as high. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Ben, brother, it's it's been a hell of a afternoon for me. I know it's e- evening for you, but yeah. um, I know we could keep talking for hours, brother, because I know we have so have much to t- catch up on. We're getting close to the t- two, two hour hours. mark. Wow! And time flies when you're having fun, is what I say. Yeah, I really. I, I thought I thought we were still in our first hour, to be honest. <laughs> Time flies and we're having fun. Benji, uh kind of a broad open ended question. And then I'll yeah. then I'll give a good uh would you rather to cap us off. And uh the question is, brother, what makes Tanzania special? Why should someone visit it? Like a Texan like me, why why would it be good for me to pay to visit one day? Well, why would it be good for you? I think it would uh, it would open your eyes on a lot of things. Um, the you know nature and wildlife and is like nothing else. I mean, I know that U.S. has beautiful areas, and but just the seeing so many wild animals in one place is a little bit different to anything I've ever experienced. Because I've I mean, I've traveled a decent amount, not not crazy amount, but like seeing a lot of Europe, a lot of U.S., a lot of and there's beautiful, beautiful spaces and all, but something about seeing a lot of animals, you know, that are actually meant to be where they are. One thousand special about that. You don't see something a leopard every day. That. No. No, and I don't even see a leopard every day on safari, so like yeah, I mean something about it. Um and then I would say People are really nice on a general basis. It's like a place where you're walking down the street. It doesn't matter if you've ever seen someone, you normally would say hi to like, oh, hey, whatever, hi. Small things like that make a big difference in your day. You know, you just feel like there's more of a, even if you don't know someone, more of a community between you two. Uh, Yeah, that's a really nice thing about Tanzania, I would say. Yeah. And then obviously it's nice to have a bit of a, a relaxed, more relaxed rule system. Than the U.S., you know, you get into a lot of trouble all the time in the U.S. doing things. I got thousand percent agree with that. Sometimes in America, we'll we'll be, uh, you know, not doing anything wrong, but boom, ticket, boom, 
jail or boom. Who knows? So yeah, hands, you've got to be you got to be quiet because your party's too loud. Uh, that doesn't happen too much here. Yeah, when you got a couple acres, you can be a little bit louder. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, brother, I love that, and I definitely um, it's on my bucket list to pay you a visit in Tanzania, and I know you will be the sure. most phenomenal guide. And I have a uh, before I get to my would you rather, is there any chance you might be going to uh, tenure reunion at Culver? Um, so I'm I'm trying to I want to. So to be determined. Uh, unfortunately, it's to be determined. Um, yeah, because I I just went to the U.S. I went to see my mom in Massachusetts, and my brother and sister came as well. Um, I was there for a week or a week and a half or so. Um. <laughs> So I just went to the U.S., but yeah, it just kind of depends on work as well. It's our busy season. Summer season is is. Public. I hear, I I hear that, and uh, it's quite the journey for you. So fully understand yeah, if you're not there, we'll definitely hit hit you, hit you with a FaceTime. One of with some of the old rugby brothers. Shout out to all of yeah, our Culver rugby you. brothers who tuned in. I know yeah. there's quite a few who are going to enjoy listening to this one. So now Ben mm. to the would you rather, and this is a would you rather that I actually quite frequently ask to almost every guest, but for you, I will say I'm very intrigued to hear what your answer will be. And the question is, would you rather speak all languages of the world or be able to speak to all animals? Animals, hundred percent. I had a feeling that be your answer, which I love that answer too. I've got, I've got this magical right. device that, that seems to know how to Google translate most languages. What if, what if someone was potentially interested in maybe making the trek to Tanzania and connecting with your company and people? you work alongside with to see more of what Tanzania is all about. I what could, would be a good way to yeah, go about I could, that? I mean, you can still, even my Instagram, contact me on my Instagram. Love it. Uh, I'll check check it. Yeah, I can still organize. I have still organized. I'm still, even right now, organizing for a trip for uh, Enrique Sada. I don't know if you remember him. Um, yeah. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he's planning a trip. I'm, I'm organizing with a friend of mine um another couple guys from richmond and yeah so it's a it goes down in the DM. A possibility down in the dm just send the good old instagram dm all right yeah. benji well brother again thank you so much for your time right now it yeah. is uh 2 38 p.m here in the lone star state and it is 11 38 p.m out in good yeah. old tanzania yeah. Yep. So close to the gold midnight hour. And we've had a hell of a time. I hope you have had a hell of a time. If you enjoyed the show, stick around. Thank the subscribe button. Give us a good old like if you liked it. And uh, make sure to, again, follow Ben if you haven't already. Because you will not regret it.
With that being said, ladies and gents, much love. Adios. We'll